For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What's up, Panther fans? Bringing you a special bonus episode. Maybe we'll try to do this weekly. Maybe call it something like a beat report. This week, I caught up with Greg Allman from The Athletic to talk about this matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in London. Thanks for joining the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Check us out on Tuesdays, live, 9 p.m., the C3 Panthers podcast. Let's get into it. I'd like to welcome Greg Allman, beat writer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for The Athletic. I'm a subscriber to The Athletic. Guys, if you want to fall in love with the sports page again, it's time to go and subscribe to The Athletic. Greg, thanks for joining the C3 Panthers podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, man. We're all, teams are getting ready to travel. I know that you have preparations to leave tomorrow. Um, just tell me a little bit, How is has this your first experience going to London for a football game? This is. This is. Very excited. First time going to London, uh, period. Um, so, yeah, very excited. And uh, it's, it's a little bit of a shorter week uh, for the Bucks. Panthers are going about a day ahead of the Bucks. But, uh, yeah, no, very excited. It should be a fun week. I heard a crazy rumor. I don't know. I haven't followed it up. But teams that leave first have a winning record in London. Yeah, don't tell Bruce Arians that. Because, like, two years ago he went with Arizona. And he went early. He went on Monday. Um, and that's flying from Phoenix, so it's three more hours than what he's doing now. But he went on Monday. The Rams came on Friday, and the Rams beat him thirty-three nothing. Broke Carson Palmer's arm and sent him into retirement. So oh, gosh. he's leaving. Uh, he's leaving on Thursday. So. <laughs> he's leaving on Thursday, not on a Monday. That's for sure. All right. So the Buccaneers are two and three. Um, you know, new coaching staff. A lot. You know, kind of hard to expect going into this season, or or figure out what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be. And it's been up and down, and I think maybe we were misled a little bit by the Rams' victory. Into well, my question is: is have Tampa Bay fans did they get overly exuberant after the LA game? And then how was last week's game against the Saints? What does it just tell you about the team? Yeah, I mean they're probably not as good as they were in Los Angeles, and, and probably not as bad, at least defensively, as they were in New Orleans. Um, Bucks beat the soup, you know, to be the team that was in the Super Bowl early in the year. Um, is an exciting thing. Uh, Bucks did it last year with the Eagles. Uh, we're two and zero and finished five and eleven. So again, no no one individual win is going to carry too much weight. Um, so no, exciting that they won in Los Angeles. Encouraging in terms of the team taking a step forward. Uh, but at the same time, a week later, they go to New Orleans and Teddy Bridgewater's throwing the ball up and down the field, um, and they're struggling offensively. And it's it's a seven point loss on the final scoreboard, but it probably wasn't that close if you were there in the Superdome. Kind of got, you know, I mean, some tough calls, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard Bucks fans talking about the Michael Thomas pass interference, as well as Bruce Arians having trouble with the challenge, but you talked about the defense not being as bad as they were in that game. If, if I'm right, I think they're last in the league in passing defense allowed us uh, average of 323 yards a game. 
which is, is a lot. What is going on with that secondary? Yeah, it's a young secondary. Um, it's like they're, they're starting five right now. It would be two rookies, two second-year players, and a, a fourth-year player in Vernon Hargrave. So just super young, um, still very much learning a new defense that Todd Bowles has brought in. Um, so you're finding seams and you're finding communications errors and tackling errors. And, um, again, I mean, Michael Thomas, you know, they knew who Michael Thomas was. He had 16 catches against them last year in the same game. And he had 11 catches on 13 targets, went for 180 yards, two touchdowns, pretty much did whatever he wanted. Um, so that tells you maybe they still have a long way to go. Um, but again, they're, they're getting the quarterback better than they have in years past. Shaq Barrett is leading the NFL in sacks. Uh, they went into Sunday's game second in the NFL in turnovers and takeaways, I should say. Um, so they're doing that much better than they have. But again, there's other areas where they, they really haven't taken a big step forward from what was a really bad defense last year. How is the personnel for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on defense with fitting Ty Bowles' 3-4 scheme? The Panthers, similarly, are moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Uh, but we made a bunch of moves in the offseason and in the draft, I felt, to really aggressively go after the change. How has Tampa Bay adjusted to that transition? Yeah, fairly well. Um, I mean, Vita Vea is certainly a big enough D-tackle to, to anchor the middle of a, a defensive line. Um, they brought in Adamican Sue kind of to replace Gerald McCoy as somebody who might be a more natural fit in a 3-4. Um, two strong middle linebackers in Levante David and the rookie Devin White. Um, I just, you know, every 3-4 is different. This one has a lot of different looks, wants to have some misdirection, um, and it's kind of easy to confuse yourself sometimes too. So I, I think it's – right now you want to think they're five games in, they should know what they're doing, but I think it will be a much um, better defense that kind of looks like it knows what it's doing in the second half of this season. It's Devin White, the linebacker, correct? Yeah. Uh, All right. yeah he's, is he, he's been hurt. He was hurt, I think, in the first game or early. Maybe it was the Panthers game. Is I word is that he's been he's going to return in this game. Yeah, he'll be back. He did get hurt uh, real early on in that Panthers game in the second game of the season for the Bucks. Um, hasn't played since. There had been some thought he would go in the Saints game. Um, dressed was active, and they just decided to, to give him another week. Um, kind of let that knee heal up. But no, there's every intention of him to start, and I would think if he's starting at linebacker, he's probably not coming off the field. So he'll be a big part of trying to contain Christian McCaffrey uh, as well as they did the first game uh, and just trying to keep an offensive check. How were they able to do that, in your opinion, in the in the game against Carolina? While we saw Carolina threw the ball, it seemed like, a, a million times with a Cam Newton who was playing on one foot and um, or one leg. How, how though, were they able to completely negate um, Christian McCaffrey? Because you think Jacksonville would have tried to do the same thing. Yet, uh, this past week, they had one thing to do, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, McCaffrey, I think, went for 176 against the Jags. Um, had gone over 150 in both games against the Bucks last year in terms of total yards. And, yeah, they I mean, they have a stout run defense. Um, part of that is that they have so much trouble through the air. But, I mean, they have the number two NFL run defense. They're number one in yards per carry. Uh, I think it's been six years since any team gave up as few yards per carry as they are right now. Um, so that's where it starts. Um, you know, McCaffrey obviously is a pass catcher as much as he is a, a running back in terms of running the ball. So they need their linebackers to play at a really high level. Um, you know, Carolina was a little bit disjointed. I mean, I think they were probably a better offense with what Kyle Allen's doing right now than they were, like you said, with a one-legged Cam Newton, who's probably not a threat to run. 
They struggled in some short yardage situations in that game. Um, defensively, the Bucks played very well in that game, especially to to make a play on fourth down and one, and then kind of close out the game the way they did. You're listening to Greg Allman with the Athletic on the C3 Panthers podcast. We'll be right back after this. Five weeks of the regular season and the books, and so much is left to be decided. Still plenty of time to get in on the action with my bookie. How about this prop? McCaffrey to score the game's first TD? It paid out over 3-1 to one against Jacksonville. Division odds, season awards, and in-game wagering available too. The Panthers head to London in Week 6, where they're currently 2.5-point favorites versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With a game total of 48, there will be tons of live betting options throughout Sunday's crucial division matchup in London. And that just scratches the surface. We've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. What are your thoughts on Bruce Arians, right? is uh, He's got, got a lot of tenure, you know, tenured coach coming in. There's been this... Just, um, I guess, carousel of coaches for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you do you feel that his experience and having Todd Bowles there has, has kind of changed the temperament a little bit? Yeah, no, I think there's an optimism. Um, yeah, I mean, this is my seventh season full time on the beat. This is my fourth coach, so they've gone through a lot. <laughs> um, you know, Arians is 67, uh, older, but has won. I mean, basically, what he's trying to do here is exactly what he did in Arizona, uh, taking over a team that was five and eleven. You know, getting 10 wins his first year, getting the playoffs his second and third year. Um, has a good staff around him. Uh, we mentioned Todd Bowles. He's got Byron Left, which is his offensive coordinator. Um, so it's just a matter of, of how quickly it takes. Um, I think he's very confident about being able to do it in a hurry. Um, and, you know, the second half, like I said, the second half of the year is probably a little bit easier schedule-wise. They, they've had a tough first five games. Um, even the games you thought would be easy, uh, like San Francisco now look to be a lot yeah. tougher when you look at who they are. So um, I, I think the path the path to the end of the season will get a little bit easier. It's just a matter of how quickly they can start winning the close games that they've lost in recent years. I think they'll be better than five and eleven. It's just a matter of whether it's slightly better and and you know seven and nine or whether they can actually put themselves in position to compete for a, a playoff spot in December. How are the players responding to Arian's tough talk, right? As we saw this past week uh, after the Saints game, he said that our, our secondary or corners are soft. He goes out and he says, O.J. Howard isn't going getting open. And today he released a play. I mean, and I don't know if that's really a big deal, the release of a player. But how are the players responding to Arian's style of coaching? Um, I think they like it. I mean, I think it takes them getting used to. I mean, I think he'll, he'll call people out publicly, like you said, um, you know, I think he's somebody who's but uh you know, I think they I think they respect that that, you know, he's honest with them, he's very close to them as a coach, uh, in the locker room, in practice. I think they know he cares about them. Um he's just he's gonna tell you how it is if you're not doing something right. And and that doesn't exclude himself. After the two timeout call, he came up and said that he didn't you know, that that was on him right there. He didn't try to to push the bill in any other way there. Now let's turn our, t- turn our attention to the offense here. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, last year of his, is he's in his fifth year option, correct? Yes. 
Yes, that's right. All right. What is the feeling about Jameis Winston going forward? Is the idea that Bruce Arians is not here to rebuild a team uh, in the future and, and to coach a young quarterback and Jameis Winston might is the solution going forward, or do you think it's still unanswered? No, I think they're still deciding that. I mean, I think he's, you know, it's five games here. I think he's played four very good games. His passer rating has been over 100. I think he has uh, 10 touchdowns and two interceptions in the last four games. Um, but, you know, you go back to the opener, he had three interceptions against San Francisco, had two of them returned for touchdowns, which was a big part of why they didn't win that game. And, and the picks weren't all his fault at the same time, but um, there's still that inconsistency. Um, I think the limiting factor for his success since he's been in the league has been trouble with turnovers, um, too many interceptions, too many fumbles. I think he's been a playmaker. I mean, he's had two 4,000-yard seasons. He's on pace to break his own records for touchdowns and yards this year. Um, but for him to kind of take that next step, be seen as an above-average NFL quarterback, the kind of guy you want to give a, a big contract to to stay in town, um, he's got to cut down on his mistakes. And he probably has to get the team to win more consistently than they have so far. Yeah, it's consistency seems to be uh, the story that Jameis Winston needs to figure out. Now, the offensive line has suffered some injuries in the past week, starting two rookies. Can you tell us a little bit about what the offensive line situation is right now? Yeah, it's not two rookies. Um, It's two veteran guys. They're both okay. 28 years old. Um, but two guys that are backups and wouldn't be starting under normal circumstances. Um, their right guard, Alex Kappa, uh, broke his arm during Sunday's game, actually played about two and a half quarters with a broken arm. Jeez. Um, and then their right tackle, who's an older guy, DeMar Dotson, he's 33, uh, he's got a hamstring injury. He's probably out as well. So they'll have backups at both of those spots. The right side of the line is going to be a big question mark. Uh, the guard, Earl Watford, uh, who was with Arians in Arizona, started 20 games in, in 16 and 15 and 16 with Arians out there, um, but hasn't really been a starter the last two years. Um, it is more on the roster for versatility than anything else. Uh, the right tackle is a guy named Josh Wells, who they literally got off the street in September, got cut by the Jaguars. Um, and they hit. that's their swing tackle. That's their backup at tackle. So it, it's a little bit of uncertainty there. Um, I think they have probably have to adjust the offense to uh, get the ball out of Winston's hands faster, um, avoid the, the potential for that right side to, to bury their quarterback on Sunday. I've drafted Mike Evans and O.J. Howard in my fantasy football leagues. I kept O.J. Howard in a keeper league, and he killed it last year. He has been missing in action this year. Is it him? Is it the system? And also, why is Mike Evans sometimes the best receiver in the league and sometimes not? Yeah, I mean, uh, O.J. Howard fantasy owners are not happy people for the most part right now. Uh, And I think Bucks fans in general – whether it's fantasy, fantasy football or not, would like to see him used more. Um, you know, I think going into the season, you know, we knew that Arians really hadn't used the tight end a whole lot in his offense um, over time, and, and that really hasn't changed. I mean, O.J. Howard has probably been a blocker more than he's been a receiver. Uh, he and Cameron Braid, I mean, Cameron Braid has 20 touchdowns in the last three years. They're, they're really not the, the featured parts that people thought they would be. Um, they both have about 10 catches, 120 yards, Brate has one touchdown. OJ has none. Um, so, no, I think it's something where they're still working that out. Byron Leftwich is still getting a feel for the talent he has. And right now, it's just for whatever reason, Winston hasn't thrown the tight ends very much. That could change. On, on Sunday, they could be doing their best Greg Olson impersonation and uh, running up and down the field. But so far, it's been very quiet, um, probably more important to this offense as, as run blockers for Howard than as pass catchers. 
Byron Leftwich was a Marshalls uh, quarterback, I believe. I remember uh, he played – I'm an ECU alumni, East Carolina University, and oh, okay. we played them in a bowl uh-huh. game where he broke his ankle or something, and the linemen had to carry him from down to down, and he led this tremendous comeback. So I've always uh, admired Byron Leftwich, even though he had a windup that was insane ah. as a quarterback. What do you think right. of him as a play caller? Um, it's pretty sharp. I mean, he's not even 40 yet, um, so he's one of the younger guys calling plays. Um, I think it helps Winston to have somebody who's been a quarterback in this offense, who's been an assistant in this offense, kind of knows it very well and can relate to um, what quarterbacks have to try and do on the field. Um, right now, like you said, it's been mixed results. Um, you know, he's got three pick sixes, which is more than anybody in the NFL. But since week, you know, if you start in week two, he's got as many touchdowns as anybody in the league. So, You've seen the good and the bad of it. I think they're still feeling each other out. Um, He's scrambling less this year, which probably means less fumbles, which is a good thing. Um, Probably keeps him healthy better than than he has in the last couple of years because he's had injuries in each of the last two seasons. Uh, But, no, I think they work together well. Um, I think they're both kind of an extension of Bruce Arians in terms of what he wants and how he likes offenses to move the ball. And I think that's just going to continue as they they get to know each other better as this year goes on. Last couple of questions we get you out of here. Um, everybody wants to know, look, is this mixed bag? Everybody we ask uh, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, about Gerald McCoy, there is a mixed result of answers, whether sometimes he's beloved, sometimes people are on the fence. What have we got in Gerald McCoy at this point in his career, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's definitely a more divisive player now even than he was when he was there. I mean, I think the main thing that, that works against Gerald is that he was here for nine years and never made the playoffs, never was able to elevate this team to, to be a postseason team. And that's not necessarily his fault. Any one player is hard to rise up um, when you've struggled as much as the Buccaneers had. And, and they'd struggled before Gerald got here. They may continue to struggle after he's gone here. Um, but, you know, six Pro Bowls is a lot. Um, Gerald was a great guy in the community here. He's the Bucks' man of the year this past year. Uh, a fun guy to deal with, loves superheroes, will we'll defend Batman against Superman, Spider-Man, anybody you want to throw at him. Um, so, no, it's something where he, he's been kind of vilified a little bit here. Didn't really get treated right on the way out. Um, I think if they had known they were moving on from him, they probably could have handled it a little bit better than they did. So there was this awkward limbo all spring where he wasn't necessarily there and they weren't. I think they had hoped to be able to trade him and get something for him before finally realizing they just had to cut him out right. So it's not really the way you want to treat uh, the most decorated player on your roster. Um, they cut him, and then a day later, they're signing Indomitian Sue to take his spot. They're also giving Sue his number 93 jersey. Um, I don't think that sat well with Gerald. So, like I said, there's, do you there's think a little he's been, bit. Do you think he's been overly sensitive to that? Because I don't, I mean, I mean, we're all here rooting for him. We love him already. He's fitting right in. But I've talked to some other people, and that uh, for Tampa Bay fans, they think he's being overly sensitive to this. Yeah, um, I would tell you that Gerald is probably in a little bit of a gray area where he's not quite to the level. There's only three retired jerseys here. Um, Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, and Derek Brooks, and they're all in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think Gerald knows he's not as good as those three, but I think he probably is correct to put himself kind of in that next tier. Um, There's guys like John Lynch and Rondé Barber and Mike Allstott, whose jerseys aren't retired here, but they're generally seen as off-limits. Nobody gets to wear them. I think he would have liked that to be the case for 93. So to have that not only not be the case, but then immediately let the guy who was drafted directly in front of you 
back in 2010, have your number, like, as soon as you're gone, before you're out the door. I can see why that didn't sit well with him. Um, I think he made some comments publicly that, that people didn't like in terms of what he thinks of himself and how he fits in among the greats in the franchise's history. But if you know Gerald, um, he, he's generally a humble person. He's somebody who, who has done a lot for this team, for this city. Um, I think once all that settles, he'll end up be somebody here who is very much uh, beloved here, even if he didn't get his team to the level of success on the scoreboard that you really would like to see him do. Chris Godwin is stepping in, uh, re- really stepping into his own here. He's only 23 years old, I believe. Uh, he's You guys are paying him absolutely nothing. How did you guys get this guy? Uh, how did you find him, develop him as a team, and how good can he be? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's having a great start. It, it's kind of been a pretty consistent ascent for him since his rookie year. Um, just a third-round pick out of Penn State. He's only in his third year. Uh, so, like you said, still kind of cheap on a rookie contract. Um, right now, I mean, he's on a pace for 19 touchdowns. If he keeps the pace he's at, that's <laughs> only happened twice in NFL history. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, one of them was a, was something of a garbage touchdown Sunday at the end there against the Saints. They're down two touchdowns. He scored with a minute left. Um, but the other five have been all very big-time helpful touchdowns. Um, he's somebody who probably benefits from the coverage that Mike Evans is getting from other defenses. Uh, but he makes plays, very consistent, good hands, good route runner, uh, keeps his legs moving once he catches the ball. Um, and like I said, you've seen him go from you know barely playing in the first half of his rookie year to outperforming Deshaun Jackson last year in his second year. And, and now he's, he's a strong – I mean, he, Mike Evans is definitely the number one year, but he's as strong a number two as you're going to find in most places in the NFL. And, yeah. you know, again, they'll, they'll have some tough decisions to make. They can extend him after this year. Um, but it's hard to pay two receivers the kind of money that he'll command when they're already giving Mike Evans $16 million a year. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. All right, last question. What's your biggest surprise, one positive, one negative, well, I guess surprise in a good way and disappointment or surprise in a bad way sure. for this team so far? I mean, the big surprise has to be Shaq Barrett. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, Jeez, had yeah. 14 sacks in, in five years in Denver. Um, you know, we stopped buying some really good pass rushers in Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, um, Bradley Chubb. But for him to have, you know, nine sacks in the first five games, um, he's he just – and huge sacks. I mean, three of them are forced fumbles. He's had the first career first career interception to kind of clinch the, the Rams game. Um, he's a huge – and he's a great kid, very humble. Um, you know, this is a guy that was a walk-on in college and, you know, had to work and fight through the practice squad just to stick on an NFL roster – uh, so it's the kind of guy that you, you like to see the success come to. He's been like, a, a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to just say this, is that one of the stats that stuck out for Panther fans is that Christian McCaffrey has more um, offensive yards than the New York Jets. Shaq Barrett has <laughs> m- more sacks than Denver, Miami. Uh, the list goes to Atlanta, Cincinnati, the New York Jets, and he's tied with Oakland, Washington, Baltimore, and Detroit for sacks this season. That's crazy. Yeah, if he gets, uh, I think if he gets one sack Sunday in London, he'll have ten, and no one's had ten in their first six games in ten years. Uh, you know, he's at an all-time record type pace. It's hard to keep up, but if he can, I mean, again, he's came in on a one-year, four million dollar contract, so he's going to be making a lot of money uh, next, next spring if he can do anything close to what he's doing at this point. All right, and the disappointment. Yeah, disappointment. You know, so far it, it's hard to point to something. I'd probably say O.J. Howard. I mean, just because, like you said, I think a lot of people have high hopes for him. 
Um, you know, a guy whose only real limitations his first two years were getting hurt, you know, missed the last six games last year, um, but consistently, you know, got open, got in the end zone, was a fantasy darling, and still could be absolutely that guy. It's just for whatever reason, his first month with, with Arians and with Leftwich has been more uh, a blocking guy and a, a low-key, out-of-the-end zone, out-of-the-offense's plan. So, no, he'd probably be the most surprising disappointment in terms of what he's been able to do. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Greg. I know you're flying out of the country tomorrow. You have a safe trip. You're listening to Greg Allman from The Athletic. You can follow Greg at Greg Allman, A-U-M-A-N, all one, just one Twitter tag. Greg, thanks so much for being generous with your time tonight. Oh, no problem. Thanks again. Y'all have a good night. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Good night. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out carolinacatchronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.